Welcome to another episode of Left on Red Podcast. I am Jen, also known as Booking Jordan. And I'm Dwayne. Okay, so we are back with another episode of Left on Red Podcast, which I'm so excited because we're going to be talking about The Vanishing Half by Britt Bennett, which I freaking love this book so much, y'all know. Um, But I thought it would actually go well with current stuff that's going on right now. Black is King dropped, y'all. Black is King by Beyonce, a film. It was released. And you're probably like, how do the two go together? Well, um, this book, it starts off with two sisters who are light-skinned from this light-skinned, intentionally light-skinned town in Louisiana and the past that their journey takes on. So it talks about like colorism, racism, all that. We're going to get into that. But how affirming is it that we have Beyonce release Black is King, which talks about so much and it's literally almost like a love letter I feel to black people which seems to be a theme with Beyonce as of late with all of her art projects that she has been releasing but my goodness I freaking loved it uh so many thoughts what are some of your thoughts Dwayne? I I thought it was incredible I mean really like when I was looking at it I'm thinking like she's her like she's and what I mean by that is she's the truth (laughs) <laughs> she's not Jesus yeah. not the way the truth in the light I'm just talking about like just like we call Paul Pierce the truth I know you did not compare Beyonce no, to Paul but Pierce but you know I'm not saying it in you a would religion. have to say LeBron James or Michael no, Jordan what I'm trying to say is I'm not describing it in a religious type way um, and I know but anyway um, yeah I just thought everything was dope the energy was was crazy I thought that um, like when I think about doing like a creative project, like that's how I would want it to turn out. I feel like almost all the scenes mm-hmm. where they set out to accomplish something, they accomplished it. Like the look and the feel and the energy that came across um, was different than what we usually get to see. Um, yeah. It felt really high quality. Um, yeah, it's it, so crazy because it was so many looks and it was regal. Black is the future. Black is the past. Black is everything. Like, it really is. And that's what I felt watching it. And I loved that she really showed, like, the advancedness of Black culture, African culture, and also how that transcends lineage-wise throughout. Because, like, on some of the scenes, it's, like, back and forth between times, and you're, like, seeing some of it is ancestral some of it is current some of it is like ah and it's all just so beautiful and magnificent and amazing and it's crazy because when you say like that's how you would want your art to be like i think that true great creative amazing art inspires you to want to do art like it inspires something within you to want to create and just uh and something about that just gave you life or at least i should say me gave me life made me feel replenished rejuvenated especially with the darkness (laughs) that we have been experiencing really all throughout ever but you know right now it's really grim um the images that we're seeing a lot of the trauma and stuff that we're seeing to see something that is so life-giving was beautiful and i'm not even talking about just the hairstyles and the outfits and I, I need a book. I was telling my friends, I need an editorial book released, published of all of the looks, all of the hairstyles, all of the fashion, all of the inspiration between, behind it. What countries did this originate from? What That would be like 
a dream. I just went on a whole rant. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's cool because I I totally agree. And just adding on to that, like the music, like because we had heard this album before and yeah, it was pretty good. Times, yeah. Um, it kind of put the music in a different light, and I was hearing things in a way that I felt like I didn't hear them. Like, so that's another piece that was a part of it. Like, it almost feels like Beyonce is her own kind of subgenre of R&B slash hip-hop thing. Because when you think about R&B now, you think of kind of, it's a simplistic, not simplistic. But she used a lot of African artists and stuff, so it's a lot of African music. And I think what's cool is because a lot of people are yeah, using Afro beats, and they're calling it Afro beats, but they're using it in this mainstream pop so, way. But she used it in a, an actual African artist to showcase their art and she's not trying to mold their art into her thing it's kind of like an equal collaboration so i felt like it was organic sound i kind of halfway take that back but i'm also talking about the way she uses her voice on the songs in addition to how her songs sound really wide Mm -hmm. i also don't have a perspective on i guess the the care that was given towards being true to the African representations. In oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, all that is kind of filtered through my, I guess, African American view. Yeah. African American view. So yeah. that's the one thing I do want to point out. You know, when you said that this, we heard this album, but this brought a different element, I feel like the um, visual album made the music come alive. Like, I listened to these songs so many times. I never, it was like I was hearing the music for the first time. Yeah, it, it felt like, did we listen? Is this the same album? Yeah. Um, it's kind of the way. Even though they, she tweaked it. some, like they added some gems and tweaked some things. And of course, adding spoken word and all that other stuff always brings a different element. But some of the songs is exact, like even Brown Skin Girl, of course. Okay, so we could talk about Brown Skin Girl. Brown Skin Girl was the moment I teared up, like, and I cry. I'm like, I can't believe I'm crying about something. Like, it's like, why are you tearing up? But even thinking about it, it's like teary. Like, just seeing one, seeing Blue Ivy, you know, she introduces kind of the song into it and she closes it out. And that's her daughter. And you have Beyonce, who's known, you know, Beyonce is known for her beauty. Beyonce, that is something everybody always talks about. She's so beautiful, all this stuff. So it was crazy when she had a daughter that, people were picking out some of the things that are associated with being black as negative. Like that was the narrative that was happening. And Beyonce, nah, 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 on her watch, she shifted all of that around and used her voice to emphasize and promote anything that's black, broader nose, darker skin, all of that, that white supremacy has just made it in every culture and every, facet anything that's closer to white beauty standards is on the top and I feel like something about that and seeing blue and knowing that about her story too was wow and then also the little brown skinned girl clearly and then you're seeing like beautiful people like Naomi Campbell like it's just crazy like you know what I mean like it's just crazy to think about but yeah that girl at the end of the um, brown skin girl when she had the smile, if you guys know what I'm talking about, something about her smiling at that end, it was just like so, ah, uh, it's crazy what they do. Like when I say they, like society. Yeah. And yeah, anyways. <laughs> also, <laughs> okay, I'm going on, right? on a happier note. I want to switch it because that was a happy, beautiful moment, but it's rooted in some 
probably sad stuff. What would be your favorite look? I was like, bruh, you can't even ask me that. What would be my favorite look? I can't, I don't even, I, I think now since I've watched it three times, I may have favorite scenes, like favorite songs. I go into that. But I'm not sure. I was going to say, but I'm not sure. I liked all of it. I mean, I liked all the scenes. I liked a lot of the dancing scenes. Like, So there were three scenes um, that I like that I kind of stand out in my mind. I've only seen it one time. Um, that would be the dude in the blue paint when he was dancing with Beyonce. Was, which was throughout. Um, I only remember them in the white room. Oh, um, in that white room. Okay. Um, the one time. Um, I feel like that's the only time happened maybe at the end then there was the lady in the pink pink hair no i don't know if she had pink hair um, uh. or not but i feel like the way they made her look she seemed kind of tall it was her and then two other people on her the side of her dancing and then the lady who was um rapping i guess you could call it rapping who was dancing with the big hat that had the dangly stuff on it and oh yeah it was yeah, similar yeah, yeah. to the thing that was around her waist mm-hmm. Um, so I thought that was cool, too. Yeah, there's so many scenes. A lot of the aspects seem so futuristic. And the whole thing on the stars, you know, in Lion King, they talk about like, the ancestors are in the stars and all that stuff. And then them showing that. And something about the visual effects. I know we were talking about it felt 3D throughout. But that really felt like, shoo, shoo, all the stuff. Like, anytime it was, like, planet-wise. Shoo, shoo. That's <laughs> what i i'm doing the worst i explained it but even with beyonce's outfits it was like shimmering stars and all that that planet thing it was just so much and even when she was in that like ring of fire thing and they had her twirling and twirling and they had the car cars doing the freaking donuts at the same time and it was like matching that speed i mean if you haven't watched it you're probably listening to like what is she describing but when you see it, it's like flabbergasting. And also Beyonce in the middle of the freaking ocean, which I'm like, how did they make it look like she was literally in the middle of the ocean? Because there's no way you would be floating yeah. in the middle of the ocean, but it looked so seamless and beautiful. There was like a lot of cool things. I mean, the hair, the- when her hair was all the way down there, all yeah. those stories for the Pharrell song, that's another one. The girl with the pink hair with her wedding, which we were following basically their kind of love story, almost her and her man's love story throughout the film um from when they were little to all men and that wedding I was like I would love to have a vow renewal or ceremony or something just so all my guests could be stunted like that because that was the okay I'll stop going on the ramp but that was the thing with that wedding the girl with the blue and she had her hair done and it starts off on her I was like oh my god I thought it was going to be about her. And then it shifted. She was just a guest or a bridesmaid or something at a homegirl's wedding. Like, all of the guests and everything, it was just so... Like, even with having Lion King, the album, The Gift, and you make a movie, Lion King, that all these kids are going to watch, and you're making them also have to recognize black African culture that inspired this film, you know, by having Black is King. Like, yo, how many little kids are like, ooh, I want to watch Black is King, like, even saying that out loud is affirming from a society that doesn't affirm black people. So it was just awesome. How do you, what, what are your thoughts about if you was one of Beyonce's kids, one of the twins, how would you, would you be like, mama, I would have really liked to love you not taking that. <laughs> okay. I'm not trying to get our podcast canceled. Okay. So I could literally talk about 
Black is King for forever, but we can't. But I'm going to talk about something else that had me replenished and feeling, ah, but from literature. And this is one of the best books that I have read in a long, I'm talking about a long time. The Vanishing Half by Britt Bennett. So what do you know about this book? Uh, I know I keep seeing the cover everywhere, so I know it's pretty popular. Yes, that is true. The cover is like everywhere. If you look at the cover, it actually tells you pretty much exactly what the book's about, but not really. It's really based on two identical twin sisters, Stella and Desiree, who are from a small town called Mallard. And this town is a black town. It's an African-American town that was founded by um, actually one of their ancestors. And it is predominantly filled with very light skin, almost passing individuals. So people from out of state, when they come to this area, it's like, almost like, what? Is this really a town full of Negroes? As they put it, I think in the book, or not. And you're following Stella and Desiree, these two twin sisters and the way their lives diverge. So it's kind of from the start of it, you're already seeing that even though this town is technically full of privileged people within the black community, they're very much oppressed. They do not have the same access that white people have, even though if you look on face value, they are white. So it really poses a good question of what qualifies somebody as white? Is whiteness a thing? Is that even real? Or is it just clearly a made up construct of a way to have a different caste system? Because Early on, you find out about the education access that's limited. Um, A pretty defining moment within their childhood actually takes place where Stella and Desiree's father was murdered by a mob, a white mob. And it just kind of shows you that even though these individuals, technically, if you say it's based on skin color, they're white, they're not white because of this made up society. So that already kind of has you like interested, like, where's so, this going so, so let me, yeah that, that does have me interested in where it's going so did this author feel like it was a book to educate people about colorism or race you know i don't know that's a good point i don't know i think colorism and race all of it i think she not plays with those concepts but she plays on that a bit it's so reminiscent of um i don't know if this is gonna answer your question but it's very reminiscent i said this in my wrap-up um like a month or so ago that It reminds me of Nella Larson's Passing, but also God Help the Child by Toni Morrison. So I'll say the beginning of the book is very much like Nella Larson's Passing, which it does play on that whole colorism, but also it's these two sisters that could pass. One of them decides to pass, that sister being Stella, and the other one deciding, not really deciding, but just remaining within being a black woman. And you know, Stella, she decides to pass for access, to have more access. Her education was stunted. She didn't have the same opportunities. You know, they grew up, they were working in a white person's house, cleaning. That's what their mother did. That's what they had to do. And if you look at all these individuals on face value, they all look the same. But once she realized, hey, I could pass when people don't know and I could just have an easier life, she took that route. So I don't know exactly if that was the author's intent, but that's just one aspect of it because this story, the reason why I said it's also like Toni Morrison's God 
help the child is because it also follows their daughters. So both Stella and Desiree, they end up having daughters. One of them, Desiree, has a daughter with a very dark-skinned black man. So her daughter actually comes out very dark-skinned to the point, like, people don't even believe that that's her mother. Like, they don't even see the resemblance. And then Stella ends up having a daughter with a white man, a white man who doesn't know she's black. I'm not trying to do the air quotes, but doesn't know that she's black. And she has a daughter who is white. It has no idea of her background. So it kind of follows that. So it's, I, I, it touches on that, but then it touches on like domestic violence. It touches on um, not too heavily, like queer identity is represented in this book, but it doesn't touch too, too heavily on some of the kind of casting out that happens within there, but there is a little bit of that as well. Um, a lot of the theme is kind of on these little small decisions that each individual makes that ends up kind of turning their life in a completely different direction. Gotcha. Like my first thoughts when reading this, it's like, <sighs> I guess first, do you know anybody or have you had any history of knowing someone who has chose to pass it doesn't necessarily have to be mean in the way of passing with race but in any way that you want to take that um i i've, I've heard stories just in terms of like um in my family like if people were traveling and the one person who could pass would like maybe go get food in a white only place or something like that but not i don't know of anybody like doing it intentionally for long periods of time yeah, and that in itself, like when you say that, that in itself, it gives me like anxiety. Like my heart, I just immediately was thinking of what, whoever that family member was who had to do it even for that moment. Like I would be scared of being found out. Like if I ever had, you know, that access privilege, that in itself is kind of like risking yourself for the betterment, you know, of your family to try to get basic basic things that should be available to everybody. And it's interesting because that's kind of how it starts with Stella. So Stella, we find out that she's like, she's done little periods of passing when she was a kid to like try to go to a museum or do little things. And that's kind of when she realized white people can't tell. Black people, for some reason, she realized early on, they would know, kind of. But the white people, they just wouldn't know. And I was like, that's funny because I think that's that's pretty accurate. Yeah, and I feel like people, like, even when they see somebody who they think might be, will, will play around and act like, I don't know. Like, um, there's a few people, but I, we won't go into it. But, yeah, we do. Even when we know the person might be white, we'll still be like, mm, They look like they <laughs> might be. Yeah, it's yeah. an interesting thing. But, um, anyways, really what makes her kind of do it full time even at this time, she's still part-time, was when her and her sister decided to leave Mallard to go to New Orleans for better job opportunities. Even though Stella was very talented um, with computers and typing and all that, she couldn't get a job because they were only looking for white people. They weren't going to hire no colored person. So they're like, look, just put on your thing that you're white so you can get this job. So as soon as she said she was white, then she got a job. And that's how it started. So now she's in the workforce and she really just starts off with her trying to get a job so they could survive and send money back to their mother. Somehow that happens. 
And she gets an opportunity, I guess, by falling in love. I don't know if she really fell in love or even he did, but the guy was interested in her and he's a white man and he thinks of her as white and he's offering her to move out and them to get married. And she's like, I, she literally left in the middle of the night, left her sister, everything without anybody knowing and left her life behind her and never looked back. And for me, reading this, it was so frustrating because I am mad at Stella. Like I'm really actually mad at her but at the same time, I'm like, I'm not saying the decisions that she made were right, but it's it's almost like you you can fault her, but you can't. It's a very complicated situation, at least for me when I was reading. I know I've like, uh, I feel like this character is gonna get mixed reviews as far as people are either gonna really really hate her or people are gonna empathize a little bit, kind of like me, and still think it wasn't the best decision, but. What I'm really mad at is not really Stella. I'm really mad at white supremacy, not her. Because yeah. it kind of forced her to make these decisions almost. Um, yeah. And it's weird because as the story progresses, Stella becomes, to me, more and more white. Like, she's literally white in every sense of the word of trying to protect her little thing. Like, she almost, she has like an irrational fear of kind of black people in the sense of she doesn't want them in her neighborhood she doesn't want them near her even though the entire neighborhood is in agreement they're all white and they're like we can't let these negroes come up in here and dirty our property value and how could they and she's the first one leading them up even though she's usually soft-spoken she's like no 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 we can't do this and it's interesting because hers comes from a fear of being found out and theirs is almost a, I don't know what theirs is, but it's just a, you're not going to get in on this access. Hers is, you're not going to remove my access. Mm -hmm. I ain't trying to get in no type of drama. Um, and through this, what I loved about the book is it introduces us. I say it's about Stella and Desiree and then their daughters, but it introduces us to so many supporting characters. Um one of them being at the time where Stella is living this new life with her white husband, she has a neighbor that does end up moving in, Loretta, and there's this black there this black couple that can afford to move in solely because the husband is in films as an actor. And Loretta, for those of you guys who don't know, this is gonna be turned into an HBO miniseries. And I'm so excited to see the casting. I hope they get this right. But I loved Loretta. I would have loved, like, I would have loved to just had a uh, more time with Loretta and really to see inside her household. Like, she to me was like fabulous. Like, I just see her. I picture like um, Thelma for good, from Good Times, a little bit older maybe. But that's kind of what I picture, and I'm like, oh my gosh. It makes me think about the nature versus versus nurture. Uh, things a lot of the experiments that they do regarding nature versus nurture is, deals with twins, I think, who are like either separated through you know adoption or something like that. Um, so it reminds me of stuff like that um, and how we think about you know how much of it is who you are and how much of it is your environment and things like that. But yeah, because it's interesting because even though Stella technically goes on to live as a white woman. And I say she becomes white in every sense of the word. She really doesn't because deep down in her head, 
she still has the shadow of knowing that she's black. So she doesn't ever feel free. You would think going into the situation, she would feel free, but she always has the fear of people finding out. She can never really get too close to anybody. The only person she actually tried, like did end up getting close to was Loretta, who was also black, but there was also, she didn't want other people to know about that. I want to talk about that a little bit because there's a point in there where Loretta has a daughter and Loretta's daughter is playing with Stella's daughter, um, Kennedy. And Stella comes out there and she's like, we don't play with niggers. We don't play with N-words. And she like smacks her daughter and all this other stuff later for her daughter, I think basically repeating the word to the little girl. And it broke my heart to know that this black family, like this black other black family has to have, like, you know the hurt and the heart, heartache of racism. You know how horrible that is and you just perpetuated it in a way that is gonna probably scar this family forever. And it's just like, it's just, it's just crazy. And it just shows how so much of that stuff is just carried on. Right like through parents or whatever the case is. And it was funny because Kennedy, she was even like, she she, she almost couldn't believe that she, her mother would be black because it's like, I, she grew up in a household where she heard them talking about race. Right, it wouldn't make sense, yeah. It wouldn't make sense. And yeah, it's just a... So, um, do you have... No, no, I was so like... So what, what would make someone, a black person read this at this time? Because from my view, it feels like it's just talking to us about trauma repeatedly um, <laughs> over generations. And it's like, right now, why would I be interested in domestic violence and racism through generations? And so two, there's two points to that. When we say now, there's never a point somebody's going to be interested in that. Just like we never. I guess I'm speaking for myself. Yeah, no, I know you're speaking for yourself. But I'm saying like now, I know it's probably a little bit more visualize but this is just something that's not new it's something that we all are aware of regardless of that's time true. so i'm always reading nonfiction, fiction and whatever and i almost want to do a separate video on that of uh, talking about that topic in in general but for specifically for this book this book is not one where the trauma is the focus the trauma that happens is more just something that helps to explain it does explain a little bit of the background but really the story it feels more like everyday life, like you're kind of on this everyday life of seeing how these characters are gonna develop through Reese and um, Jude, it's a lot of love. So you're so warped in their healthy relationship. You know, of course it's not perfect, but you're warped into that feeling of that support and having each other. And then a lot of the focus again is on Desiree and early and seeing that relationship um so it's a lot about relationships not so much about these um small moments like even the moments when they're described they're it's good to note for people so they know there's triggers in this book but it's the book is pretty thick and it's explained shortly or quickly but well enough where you could do the layers yourself to understand how this could mold this character into some of these um, things. So to answer your question, the reason why is because it's not trauma porn. It's not done in an exploitative way. It's done in a way that 
that's not the focus. You may hear that, but really it's the relationships that these people have. And also you're trying to figure out if Stella's really going to get, not get away with this, but is nobody ever going to find out that she black? Like it has a little bit of that suspense of trying to figure out how is this going to tie out in their lives or what effect is this going to have on Kennedy, her daughter? What effect is this going to have on Jude? Like what did the decision for her mom to come back to a town that's all light skin and raise your dark skin daughter there is this going to have long-term effects on her later on in life so it's really about these decisions and thinking of how those are going to play out okay um so you mentioned two other books what, what were they um god helped the child by tony morrison and um nella larson's passing so out of those three books what should people what, what would you recommend people read first Oh, I don't think it matters the order. Like, honestly, it doesn't matter. When I say that this book is kind of like, reminds me of it, it reminds me in the sense of themes. Because Nella Larson passing is literally following two friends who are really light-skinned, and one of them decides to go off and passes white, and she's living in constant fear of being found, it, found out. And then she kind of wants to have the secret black life because she's so isolated, she feels she needs that, which you see in this book. And for God Help the Child, it's reminiscent because it's about a light-skinned mother who ends up having this dark-skinned child and no one really thinking it's her child. And this is not exactly the same, but the daughter has to experience a lot of colorism and later in life has people admiring her for her beauty and all this other stuff where she embraces it. But a lot of the hate against her being dark actually came directly from her mother that's where it's kind of a little bit different but it it follows how these decisions that these parents make ends up affecting their kids down the line so one thing that i'm really not sure of is white people's understanding of passing or their relationship with black people passing not that it's important yeah i was about to say (laughs) but it is important because Yeah, because the life and death is pretty much in their hands. And I don't know if white people talk about it. I'd be like, I, you know, I hardly ever think, I know that sounds funny, but I hardly ever think about what they be thinking. Um, but I get what you're saying in the case of life or death. But um, I think it's not even so much about the passing. I think the passing is more so talking about what people did, but it's really more so about the constructs and the caste systems that force these scenarios and also about how all of this is not real like it just shows even more how it's not real like at all um and it calls it out in a way where it's almost like an illusion like it depends on what you want to see one of the um sections of the book i thought was interesting was later on because Stella has become a white woman she even talks different like everything about her is just different the way she carries herself is different because she's been having years of this privilege or whatever it is black women do that too they do but I'm saying for the sake of this book of I know what they were saying like there's a scene where she early sees her and remember she's identical twin sisters with Desiree someone who he's in love with he sees her he sees a white woman and that 
probably has a lot to do with the way she's looking around, the fear or whatever it is, the way she's carrying her stuff. And it's just interesting because she's been in this lifestyle. So it, she's the way she's perceived is a white woman, even though she has an identical twin sister. When you immediately see her, you will see a black person if you know her. Like, so I think, I don't know. I just think that's just interesting. It's just interesting. Um, Cause even with Mariah Carey, like if you see Mariah Carey, what do you see? Black, a mixed person. So you Black. see, yeah. See, and I see that too. I think when I was younger, when I first saw her, I, I didn't know. I mean, I think they tried to market her more that way, but I never thought that she wasn't mixed. I mean, it could have just been the music that was. I was like, okay, this is. That's somebody. If someone says it, then you like you know, but you're not gonna just immediately. You know what I mean? No, and it's just weird as to what what does that no mean? That one drop rule is just crazy. Um, but yeah. yeah. I, I mean, mean it ain't one drop in her case, but yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah, but that's my point with the one drop rule. They're saying if they find anybody who's identically black in your lineage, somehow you're somehow black. So with that description, do you have any interest in either reading the book or watching the series? You can be honest. So for watching the series, yeah, I'm. We'll probably have to wait to the trailer. I mean, at this point, I feel like it's not really for me. Yeah, um, this book isn't for me. Um, it's so crazy because I love this book so much, but you know what? I, I, I don't just, think it's for I, you either. I, I'm not. I don't yeah, think I'm it's just for not able either. to connect with it, and it's not really on themes that I necessarily um, would be interested in reading a story about. Like, it's yeah, stuff I talk about or might have a casual conversation about but in terms of reading a whole book about it it's not the type of thing that you would do yeah you would I'm be interested in necessarily interested in but i don't know maybe depending on the trailer and i can really visualize where they're going with the plot and how it's organized um uh, i could potentially check it out you know what i'm interested to see that trailer too because i could see how this could be i wonder how they're going to market it i wonder if it's going to be like a suspense thing or if it's gonna be like a casual drama. It'll be interesting to see if it's more on the suspense side, um, kind of like underground or whatever. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like if they do it in that type of, not exactly, but kind of like that moment to moment situation of people leaving behind things um, just for a chance at a better life or a life that's not as oppressed. Um, but yeah, so that kind of sums it up. You guys clearly know I love this book. I raved about it. I gave this five stars. I do think this is an amazing read. And I'm not saying it's going to be for everybody. It may not be for Dwayne. But I do think if you like good character building, like if you're, when you read, you love characters that become real people and become alive and they're fully developed and multifaceted, I think you'll enjoy this book. I'm not saying if you don't enjoy it that you don't like those things, but I think that's the real appeal of this book. Um, but yeah, that's all I have. Is there anything else that you have? Uh, nope. That's it. Okay, well, we'll see you guys in the next one. Make sure to leave us a, what is it, five stars on Apple to share this podcast with whomever, as well as rate us on Spotify if that's where you're listening. And if you're watching this on YouTube, don't have and give it a thumbs up. And I'd also like to know your thoughts um, on the book if you've read it. 
and let me know if you was more on the Dwayne spectrum or if you were more on my spectrum of this of interest level. All right, catch y'all in the next one. Bye.